Welcome to the Conversations with Christians Engaged podcast. I'm your host, Bunny Pounds, the president of Christians Engaged. This ministry exists to awaken, motivate, educate, and empower ordinary believers in Jesus Christ to do three things. To pray for our elected officials and our nation regularly. To vote in every election to impact our culture and to engage in some form of civic education or involvement for the well-being of our nation. So thankful, Bunny, for what you do. A lot of people talk the talk, but you really walk the walk. I love it, love it. Love teaming up with you, Bunny. So excited about what you're doing and the people you're reaching. And And I will stand and lock arms with this woman of God, Bunny Pounds, any day of the week. Bunny, you are a new hero of mine. America is worth it. Now is the time. America needs your involvement. Please take our pledge to pray, vote, and engage. Join with a movement of other Christians that are doing these three simple things that can really impact this nation. Join us. Hey, everybody. We are in an incredible series about the sanctity of life issue in a post-Roe world. Now that Roe v. Wade is overturned, how do we function? How, what do we do as the body of Christ, as Christians around America on the life issue? But I felt like we needed to stop for a week. Um, we're going to end with some incredible interviews. But I wanted to stop and, and talk through three, two things. One, the legal argument of where we are. Where are we? What is the, where are we after post-Roe? Um, And then also Bible. What does the Bible actually say? I want to help and empower you as Christians, as leaders, to know the scriptures, to think through this, and to be able to debate this issue from a biblical point of view. So let's go get going. I'm using two sources for this talk today. Um, One of them is my favorite book, a simple book on the abortion issue. It's by June Hunt. Abortion Prevention, Not a Choice, But a Child. It's an actual Bible study, um, and you can get that at Hope for the Heart Ministries. June Hunt, check out her book on abortion prevention. So a lot of what I'm using, even the scriptures, are ones that June highlights in this book, and I just take it to the next level. Also an article um, by a senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation, Thomas Gipping, on can the 14th Amendment be used to protect human life before birth? So, Thomas, thank you for um, the understanding on the legal side that I'm going to bring into this talk. Mother Teresa of Calcutta said in the 1994 presidential prayer breakfast in Washington, D.C., this quote. It is a powerful quote. Mother Teresa said, I feel that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion because it is a war against the child, a direct killing of the innocent child, murder by the mother herself. And if we accept that a mother can kill even her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? By abortion, the mother does not learn to love, but kills even her own child to solve her problems. Any country that accepts abortion is not teaching people to love, but to use any violence to get what they want. This is why the greatest destroyer of love and peace is abortion. Uh, Incredible quote by Mother Teresa there. She's really drilling down for us how we define love. 
Do we define love the same way the Bible defines love? Is love in our culture selfishness or sacrificial love? If we as a culture or nation sanction abortion, are we actually destroying the meaning of love? We have choices to make every day. Men and women are choosing abortion or they're choosing life. And we need to help them as the church to choose life. So where are we right now? What's the legal debate? Um, as Christians, we have a duty, as we talk about a lot, to pray, vote, and engage. And it's critical for Christians that we elect pro-life elected officials at every level of government. We talk about this a lot, but if we don't, if they don't understand this issue and don't have the wisdom to protect preborn babies, how are they going to make good decisions on anything else. I mean, if you don't have the wisdom on this issue, I have to question your wisdom at all levels. This is why I believe it's so critical um, that we clarify on the federal level that preborn children have a right to life. We know when Roe was overturned, we're going to walk through that. Uh, the debate went back to the states, but it hasn't completely left on the federal level. And I want to explain that to you from um, a constitutional perspective. The debate really comes down to a clause in the Constitution in the 14th Amendment, Section 1. Let me read it. No state shall make or enforce any law which should abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law or deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protections of the law. Okay, let's go back in history here. 1973, the Supreme Court said with their ruling in Roe v. Wade that the word liberty in this due process clause of the 14th Amendment includes a woman's right to decide whether or not to decide to terminate her pregnancy. The court then issued rules for protecting this right from different kinds of government intervention at different stages of pregnancy, okay? Then fast forward to 1992, the year I graduated from high school, by the way. In the case Planned Parenthood versus Casey, the court reaffirmed that the constitutional, and I put this in air quotes, constitutional protection of the woman's decision to terminate her pregnancy derives from the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. Roe's central holding was that a woman has a constitutional right to choose to have an abortion before viability. Survived, this idea survived until 2022, last year. Then we had a case that changed everything. Dodds, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Home Organization case. This was a Mississippi abortion clinic that challenged a Mississippi state law prohibiting most abortions after 15 weeks, more than two months before the generalized accepted point of viability. Okay, this is key. The Supreme Court was asked to either reaffirm or overrule these precedences. The court chose the latter, overruling Roe and Casey, both the cases we just discussed, in their entirety and holding that neither the due process clause or the equal protection clause of the 14th Amendment protects a right to an abortion. 
In his majority opinion, Justice Samuel Alito wrote that Roe had been, quote, egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. So states' rights to now expand legislative efforts to protect human beings before birth is clear. Uh, We absolutely, at every part of our state uh, legislature level, should be fighting for the right to life in our individual states. But Congress can use its power to provide for the general welfare, to regulate commerce among the several states, and to protect the unborn if it so chooses. I believe to pass this debate now completely onto our individual states is a deflection of our duty as citizens of the United States of America. Is a baby that is in the womb of a mother in California not as viable or not as important in the eyes of God as a baby in Texas? That is really the question. Though we must work in our states for the best pro-life legislation that we can possibly have, we also need to work for a federal enforcement of the 14th Amendment, Section 4, I mean, Section 1, that no state could deprive any person of life, liberty, or process property without due process of law. uh, Article 6 of the Constitution, Paragraph 2, the Supremacy Clause establishes the federal constitution and federal law generally take precedence over state laws and state constitutions. As Thomas Gipping said in his article published, uh, Heritage Foundation, December 28, 2022, in the absence of contrary Supreme Court precedents, Congress can, for purposes of its 14th Amendment enforcement power, legislatively recognize a fundamental right to life for 14th Amendment persons or recognize prenatal persons as a suspect class. Very, very important that we understand what the debate is now. On a state level, we have to fight for life. On a federal level, we have to fight for life. And we should demand from all of our candidates on the federal level whether they're running for president, whether they're running for Congress or U.S. Senate, how do you feel about a, a federal protection for life for the unborn? So let's define the terms, and then we're going to debate it from a biblical perspective. Abortion. The Oxford English Dictionary states that abortion is the procuring of premature delivery so as to destroy offspring. That's the legal definition, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. Abortion is an umbrella word for the different methods used to destroy a developing human fetus. We know of partial birth abortion, the saline method, method, dilation and excavation method, vacuum suction method. We have the French abortion pill we know here as RU486 which actually makes the mother ill and usually results in delivery of a dead baby. And then we have the morning after pill designed to stop a possible pregnancy by expelling the fertilized egg. All of these should be defined as abortion. Okay, want to make sure that you understand that. So what is viability? How is it defined? I think we have to define viability not based on our culture, but by what the Bible says. 
But even in a baby's development, we see that from conception, the DNA and the breath of God creating this special person for his glory, they have a purpose. Think of this. I mean, at 19 days, guys, uh, eyes begin to develop in this baby. Immediately upon fertilization, cellular development begins. Before implantation, the sect of the new, uh, the sex of the new life can already be determined. Before implantation, 19 days they have eyes beginning to develop. 30 days you have regular blood flow. 42 days skeleton is complete and reflexes are present. At 56 days, this is less than two months into a pregnancy, all organs are functioning. Stomach, liver, kidneys, brain. At nine weeks, the baby has fingerprints. At 11 weeks, fingernails and toenails appear. At, love, at 13 weeks, the baby starts growing hair. And at 26 weeks, the sensory organs are all working. The baby is able to hear, see, taste, and touch. Think about that for a minute. Let's look at the scriptures because as Christians, whether we're Catholic, Protestant, wherever we are in this space, if you believe in Jesus and you believe in the errant inerrant word of God, we need to go back to the scriptures and discover what we believe on this issue and be able to articulate this for others. So I'm actually going to put these scriptures on a blog on our Christians Engage website so you can reference them and find them and pull them out, Okay. So look at that. Go to our Christians Engage website, christiansengage.org, the blog, and look for pro-life scriptures. Isaiah 44, 24, thus says the Lord, our Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. He says, I formed you from the womb. Jeremiah 1, 5, talking about the prophet Jeremiah, God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nation. How many prophets, how many pastors, how many presidents, how many business CEOs have been slaughtered in America over the so many years by abortion on demand? 60 million babies. How many of people with destinies and purpose have been slaughtered by abortion in our day, in our nation? Luke 1. I, I love Luke 1. If you think about the Christmas story, you're going to read this every Christmas. But Luke 1, 39 through 45, we see Mary having a conversation with Elizabeth. Here's the Virgin Mary, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, okay, Elizabeth's pregnant with John the Baptist here, that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the baby in her womb actually had a reaction to meeting the Savior in Mary's womb. Elizabeth said, verse 42, she spoke with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's calling the baby in Mary's womb her Lord. Check that out. He's still a ba- he's a baby, a preborn baby in the womb. But why is this granted to me indeed that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ear, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. In verse 41 here, the Greek word here is brihos, which also shows up again in Luke 18, 15. I want you to see this. This Greek word is used in both places for the word babe, the babe in her womb. And then we see it again in Luke 18, 15. When they also, which brought infants, babes to him, Jesus, that, they, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. So here you have the picture of Jesus with the little children. Anybody watch The Chosen? I love that episode. And they brought the babes to him. This Greek word for babes here is the same Greek word as the baby in the womb. Is there any difference? Is there any difference in the heart of God between a preborn baby in the womb and a baby that is out of the womb? There is no difference. Um, And I want you to see this biblically. You have to understand this from a biblical perspective. If you believe in the inerrant word of God, you cannot make any other, you cannot see abortion in the Bible. You're not going to see the pro-choice movement in the Bible. Let's look at Psalms 139. This is such an incredible psalm. I remember reading this psalm years ago in Bible school and just tears falling down my face because God was really reminding me of his love that he had for me. But if you just, let's just read verses one through 18 here. Psalms 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. I mean, he just loves us so much. Verse four, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. What a powerful thing. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, I mean, he is relentless, folks, with his love. Even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. But the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Now, this is the key part here as it relates to the life issue. Verse 13, Psalms 139. For you formed my innermost parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame, that little baby skeleton, my frame 
was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If that psalm doesn't cause your heart to realize uh, the love that God has for you, nothing much else will. I mean, God is sovereign over everything. The length of our life, our innermost beings, our frame, the embryo, it's spelled all out there in verses 13 through 16. If you feel alone right now, if you feel forgotten, if you feel like, God, why was I born into the family I was born into? Just know he knew from the beginning. He knows you. He loves you. He watches over you. And he has a purpose for everything in our life. Um, he wants you to know that. He wants you to know his, his deep love for you. But this chapter, Psalms 139, guys, you can't get more pro-life than that. Galatians 1, 15 through 16, and when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. This is the Apostle Paul speaking about his call to the Gentiles. When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. He didn't have to confer. He knew he was called from the womb. Job thirty-one fifteen. Did not, who, did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the one, the same one, fashion us in the womb? Psalms 51.6, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. The NIV says, you desired faithfulness even in the womb. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Psalm 22.10, I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. So there's really two main positions in the abortion argument. I want to go through this as we end. Um, again, I'll put these scriptures up on our blog so you can see that. Some believe that a human fetus is a person from the moment of conception and that the unborn baby should receive constitutional protection of life. This position, I believe, and as we just detailed there, is in agreement with the biblical position of the Word of God, which values the life of the unborn baby the same as the life of the mother. Exodus 21, 22 through 25, if men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if any harm follows to that unborn premature baby, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Notice here in the Exodus law that that premature baby, if that baby was harmed, if that baby died in the womb because of what this man did, um, 
the Bible determines that as a life and worthy of equal restitution. The pro-cho- the pro-choice, or I like to call the pro-death position, <laughs> believes that some believe that a fetus is only a, quote, potential person. That's what Roe v. Wade clarified it as, a potential person, and therefore should not be entitled to constitutional protection. They believe the decision about the life or death of the unborn baby should be solely the choice of the pregnant mother. I want you to think about uh, this position as it relates to God's disfavor um, that provides no protection for the innocent human life. Proverbs 6, 16 through 17, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, abomination, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. The wrong belief, the unbiblical belief about abortion says that abortion is a simple procedure designed to remove a massive tissue from a woman's body and a woman should have the right to determine what happens to her own body. The biblical perspective, though, says something different. The unborn life within a pregnant woman is a separate, unique human being created by God at conception. A woman does have rights over her own life, but she does not have the right to destroy an innocent life within her. You know, the cultural argument, as June Hunt says so greatly in her book, you know, every woman should have the right to control over her own body, right? Yes, a woman should have the right over her own body, but a pregnancy is two different bodies, two different heartbeats two different brain wave patterns, two different genetic codes, DNA. Often, two different blood types, two different sexes. This is not her body, folks, that we're talking about. This is taking control over the death of another. I hope that this episode has given you not only understanding on the legal perspective of where we are, but also the biblical perspective of where we are in this nation. Christians, we have to be pro-life. How can we look at the Bible any other way? It's time for us to understand where we are in a nation legally and do something to help unborn, you know, help these mothers that are choosing, um, are thinking about choosing life also, the men that need help in, this, in these situations. Uh, we, as we've deal, detailed in this series, we have a lot of resources, a lot of ministries that are here in the pro-life movement that you can connect with and you can work with in every realm of this. But it's time for us to stand up and stand up for life and help hurting people and save unborn babies. This is the one of the main reasons I got into government and politics so many years ago. In 2004, um, I woke up. I woke up and realized that I was the same person as a 28-year-old mom as I was as an 18-year-old Bible school student that used to pray in front of the abortion clinics. It's time for us to get involved in every level and stand up for life. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this ministry and this... Um, a podcast has been a blessing to you today. I want you to share it with somebody else. Please share it with another Christian that needs to understand the biblical perspective and the legal perspective of where we are right now on the life issue. 
Take the pledge to pray, vote, and engage. That's step one to get into the Christians Engage world. We will remind you with four texts and four emails around every election. Um, and we will help you with our on-ramp to civic engagement seminar and all of our other classes. Check out my new class we released this year on the Book of Nehemiah, Leadership from the Book of Nehemiah, and also our Salt and Light, How to Impact Your Local Communities curriculum. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Let's go out and protect life. Thank you so much for joining us for this incredible podcast. What in the time we've had. We love you so much. We love being in your life. Have you subscribed? Have you shared this with your family and friends? Please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Rumble, wherever you get your audio or video pods. We need your help. This mission is undergirded by individuals just like you that support this ministry monthly, annually, and whenever you think about us to be able to reach over a million Christians in the next two years. That's our goal. We want to empower a million Christians around America to pray, vote, and engage regularly. Will you help us? We're here to do that, and we need your help. I want to say thank you to our partners at The Stream, what an incredible online publication put out by James Robinson and Life Outreach International as we come together across denominational lines as believers to discern what God's saying about the news of the day and to hear from different viewpoints. Check out the stream, make it your homepage, and get on their email list. This product is amazing. Also, our partners at Edify app put out by Christian Post. This podcast app is a convergence of Bible teachers around America. We're excited to be a part of Edify app. Check out all their other podcasts. Thank you so much again for caring about this nation. We're here to help you pray, vote, and engage. We'll see you next week.